Welcome, spooky friends. I'm Lauren. And I'm Dallas. And welcome to Spooky Spooky Talk, Talk. a podcast about true crime, paranormal activity, and anything that is just downright spooky. Spooky. All right. Welcome, everybody. We um, welcome you back to another episode. Another episode. We decided to take a week off. There was some technical difficulties with the internet. We had a really awesome storm, and it made the power go out for a split second, and... And then the internet just did not want to cooperate. Yeah, so we took a week off, but we are back. So happy Monday. So let's go ahead and get started with When Love Turns Deadly. Dun, dun, dun. Warning. The following episode contains cuss words, sexual content, sexual abuse of a minor, murder, gun violence, and disturbing dialogue. Listener discretion is advised. When most have children, All their needs come second. You feed, clothe, and raise a human being all your own. You try to teach them right from wrong and hope that they apply those skills in their own life. You would never imagine that the thing you love the most will ultimately be the one to kill you. So that's right. We're talking about killer kids here. Oh, I know you'd be the one to kill me. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Outside of Knoxville, Tennessee, sat a small suburban town of Solway, Knoxville. It has a population of 190,740 and is about a 19-20 minute drive from Solway. Most likely a smaller area since Knoxville was the main city in that area, according to Google Maps. So I pictured it kind of like where we live, where, you know, we have the one big main city, but we have all these like little small couple small cities around it that's normally how big cities work (laughs) well i'm just trying to like get an idea of kind of like like seattle isn't all just seattle you know you got seattle you got tacoma you got yeah all the little out uh, like uh, suburban areas yeah and even though she lives near knoxville tennessee she lives in like a very suburban nice area Amanda McGee lived happily in her dad's house for the first part of her life. Her dad, Terrence, who went by Terry, was a single dad raising his daughter all on his own. Amanda's mom was a drug addict, and Terry divorced her when Amanda was four. She never had any contact with her mother, and neither did Terry. They would most likely never speak to her again in this lifetime. Terry knew that he wanted to have a family and have a good female role model for his daughter. When Amanda was eight, Terry introduced her to a woman named Alyssa. They had been dating for a while and he really liked her. She was nice, pretty, blonde, and had a fun personality. So for the ultimate test, he was excited to introduce Amanda to see if the two women clicked. Terry didn't have to worry about the outcome, though, because Amanda said that she fell in love with her right away. She talked Alyssa's ear off when the trio went to Red Lobster for the meet and greet. No one else could get a word in because Amanda was so infatuated with Alyssa. Alyssa loved Amanda as well. She didn't have any kids of her own, but she treated Amanda like a daughter. It didn't take long before she was calling Alyssa mom. Over the next year, the bond that was made between the three grew even stronger Terry and Amanda moved into Alyssa's house that was the perfect size for their small family. And you can see in their family photos, too, like, they just look like that cute all-American family, you know, mom, dad, daughter, and 
with the dog and the house and everything. It's just, it seemed like it was, it was just real cute. Real cute. <laughs> Terry's side of the family adored Alyssa, and Alyssa's side thought that Terry was a great man for her. They also loved and cared for Amanda. Terry wanted to run off and get married to start his happily ever after, but Alyssa's family insisted that they be involved and there would be a wedding. The day was set for May 20th, 2004, and the exchanging of the rings made it official. Married life was good, but family life was beginning to face some big waves. Amanda was 12 and was very boy crazy. Her aunt claimed that you had to keep a very close eye on her on outings and vacations because she would run off to find a boyfriend. And Terry was having a hard time with the growing teen and her own search for independence. Did you ever have a friend like or know a girl that was just like boy crazy in high school? Oh, in high school? Or like even just like in elementary school? No, not so much in uh, elementary school. Oh, there was there was one girl that was like really boy crazy and i remember growing up i heard an adult say like oh she'll probably be the first one pregnant <laughs> and i was just like i was like 12 or 13 and i was like oh my god like i don't know it was it was a lot to deal with in my young mind that i wasn't quite sure what it meant you know but amanda's best friend rebecca duggan also knew of amanda's obsession with boys Whenever they would hang out, Amanda would always notice a cute boy. Terry did not want her dating boys at the age of 12, but I think most fathers would probably agree with. He felt that she was too young, but Alyssa was a little more laid back about the situation. She said that Amanda was going to be a teenager soon, and that's, that is what teens do. I, I don't know. I think 12 was kind of young, but maybe I'm just old-fashioned. Maybe. Amanda did grow into a typical teen. She played soccer, talked on the phone for hours, and hung out with her friend group. But in the seventh grade, Amanda wrote a note describing the abuse that she was suffering at home and how she wanted to run away. A teacher got a hold of the note, and Amanda was taken to the guidance counselor's office, and she repeated her story, and CPS was called. CPS made an appearance at the school to take Amanda's statement, and then they took pictures of a couple of small bruises on her leg and arm. After they interviewed Terry, the case was closed. There wasn't any evidence or suspicion that Amanda was being abused. The only allegations were coming from Amanda. They probably wrote it off as a teenager rebelling against a strict parent, but Amanda felt like the system that was in place to protect her had failed. Uh, they never really confirmed any kind of like evidence of abuse, even later when this comes up again. So I don't, I don't, I wasn't there. I don't know, but. I don't know. I can't, I guess I can't have an opinion on it then. <laughs> no witnesses, no bruises. Yep. When she was 15, a friend invited her to a party to meet someone. Her friend explained to her that there was this cool guy and how they would make a great couple. Amanda was introduced to Andrew Mann. He definitely wasn't a heartthrob and he was described as a wimpy fella and he was tall and thin. He also was described as the nerdy kid and never had a girlfriend before. But Amanda didn't care, though. She was smitten. And this, we'll put pictures of him and Amanda and these people up on the Instagram at spooky.talk.podcast. Um, put the dots in there. We will come up. Gotta have the dots. Gotta have the dots. And we'll put pictures of them up there. And this kid, he's like a beanpole 
And he's just kind of, he's like that kid that just kind of fades into the background, you know? Like the ones that are just, like maybe in elementary, he might have been like the smelly kid or something. But he's, (laughs) (laughs) he's just, you can tell that he probably had it hard growing up, you know? Like all young romance, it was a whirlwind. Words of admiration were spoken quickly, along with promises of complete devotion. Just two weeks of dating, Andrew brought Amanda a beautiful ring and asked her to marry him. And of course, Amanda said yes. She was completely head over heels for Andrew, and she felt he had a lot to offer a young lady. He had a nice construction job where he made decent money. He lived in a house. He had a car and a motorcycle. But there was just one problem. So what do you think that problem is, Dallas? How could a kid have all these things? Yeah, I mean, especially when she's 12. Well, she's 15 right oh, now. Oh, she's 15. Okay, so she's 15. Yes, and and this this older guy has all these cool toys. Huh. So what seems to be the issue here? He makes he's got, has way too much money. He must be like a drug dealer or something. No, how about Andrew was 21? Holy <laughs> smokes. So not only was Amanda six years his junior, I mean, when you're both over 18, whatever, you know, some people say age is just a number. But in this situation, I say age is just a number after you reach age 18. Not only was Amanda six years his junior, but she was only 15. She wasn't an adult like Andrew was. Andrew knew of Amanda's real age, but that didn't stop him. Gross. Naughty boy, Andrew. He was Amanda's first serious boyfriend. She had dated other boys before, week to week, day to day, like teenagers do. But she said that she was in love with Andrew, and she wanted to be with him, and nothing else mattered. Under 18 will get you 20, Andrew. And see, that's the thing, is like, all they had to do if they really wanted to be together was just wait three more years. But I know that three years to a teenager is like eternity. Oh, yeah. Three years to a teenager is like Ridic- a lifetime. Yeah. So it's just the whole thing, though. Like if if you are 15, 16 and you have these older dudes like between 21 and 25 hanging out with you guys. They're not cool. They're losers. Creepy. And they're creeps because they... Super creepy. Because women their own age don't like them, and there's a reason for that. So Well, because they're hanging out with underage girls. That's... Yeah. So that, that 30-year-old dude that buys you beer is not cool. He's a creeper. He's a predator. It's not okay. Run. Run away. Not everyone was impressed with Andrew as much as Amanda was. Her friend Rebecca thought that he was weird and was too old to be dating her 15-year-old friend. Yep, somebody saw that red flag right away. Amanda knew that her parents wouldn't approve either, so she kept her relationship a secret. Amanda would tell Andrew stories about her being abused and how CPS had failed her, and she claimed that she was still being abused. Andrew wanted to be the hero, helped her run away. They lived together in Andrew's grandmother's house. That's the house he lives in, by the way. It's not his own house. It's his grandma's house. Well, yeah, you got to have that motorcycle. I'm pretty sure that he lives with his grandma, not the other way around. (laughs) When Terry and Alyssa realized that Amanda was gone, they filed a missing persons report. 
Amanda was gone for an entire week before Andrew's grandma caught on to what was really going on behind the scenes. She called Terry to tell him where Amanda was, and she had Andrew take her back home. She wouldn't stay home for long, though. She continued to cry to Andrew about how awful her home life was, and she wanted him to save her. So without reasonable thought, they ran away a second time. This time, however, they were only gone for a few hours. Andrew brought Amanda back home, but Terry was waiting for them. He blocked Andrew in the driveway, and Alyssa put Amanda inside the house and told her to stay there. Terry approached Andrew, and a huge verbal altercation began. They took pictures of his license plate and ID. He exploded when he learned of Andrew's real age. He told Andrew that if he continues to see Amanda, he will press charges of statutory rape. Alyssa told her sister that she hoped that Terry scared him off and that they would never see him again. Because they knew right away that this dude is just... A creep? Yeah, like he's the perfect guy to bring home to basically do what happened, pissed out off. Like, there's no other reason why you would bring that boy home. <laughs> Make daddy mad. Yep. Things would get dire for the star-crossed lovers. They found out that Amanda was pregnant, and July 4th was her one-month mark. Oh, shit, Andrew. You, oh, you, done, you done got her preggers now, Andrew. Oh, shit. Yeah, so we can already tell that this is going to get even more, like... Try explaining that one to the judge, Andrew. Yeah, this is going to be a pretty big onion that we're unpeeling right now. Your Honor, I don't know how that baby has my DNA. (laughs) It's not mine. (laughs) She told Andrew that her dad would kill her if he found out, and she told him that they had to do something. He had to save her and the baby. So the planning began. Over the next few weeks, they tried to come up with the perfect plans to kill her parents. They first thought of battery acid but eventually settled on a different weapon. Amanda's going to kill him with battery acid. Yeah. Like they, they were talking about like putting battery acid in like their, in like their drink or something like trying to, holy shit, trying to poison them or something with battery acid. But I guess they said they didn't really know how to do it. And it was going to be too messy. Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was rough. Like I was like, holy crap. These people are talk about a shitty way to die. Like, Even like getting it on you, like when we first said that, I thought they were just going to like douse them with battery acid, just like a vat of battery acid and just dump it on them. But ingesting battery acid doesn't, I don't think that uh, the FDA approves of that. Where would you even get like battery acid? Well, you'd have to, well, battery probably, you know, you'd have to probably crack open a battery. (sighs) I don't know how you'd do that safely without. Get yeah, melting yourself. I, I don't know how battery batteries work or battery acid works, but it just does not sound very nice. It has literally has acid in the name. Yeah, so that's probably why they ended up switching plans because this one probably wasn't too much uh, friendly fire. Yeah, too much collateral damage like, on that one. This one's probably not going to work. So let's try to find something different where we don't handle dangerous chemicals maybe and then like depending on like what they mixed it with like the reaction it would have and i just don't know how this stuff works it's too sciencey for me but well it just doesn't seem like a good idea so what did they go with well did they did they have other ideas or was it just multiple more ideas i think there 
was probably multiple ideas, but this one was the one that they the, settled on. The, so first, Amanda set the plan into motion by calling her friend Rebecca for a favor. We remember Rebecca, right? The smart girl. She asked if she could go pick up Andrew at a gas station. Amanda placed a Crown Royal bag on the passenger seat and told her not to look in the bag. Rebecca drove to the gas station and was horrified when she picked up the bag. She already knew what was in there, but she asked Andrew what was in it just to be sure. Andrew told her that it was a gun without hesitation. He told her all about their plans to kill Amanda's parents and that Amanda was the one who stole the gun from her father. He said that she wanted him to kill her parents that day, but he decided it was too risky. Rebecca claimed that she was very scared and wasn't sure what to do. So why would you tell somebody not to look in the bag if you're going to tell them what's in the bag? I have a feeling that maybe Amanda didn't think that Andrew was going to tell Rebecca because she just told Rebecca, like, don't look in there. So that way, like, you're not. I don't think she really wanted to involve her friend. Just saying, like, oh, you know, you just went to go pick up my boyfriend and he took the bag. But Andrew just tosses out that hook and drags her in. Yeah. And then (laughs) now she knows. Yeah. Now she knows. And, you know, you got to think she's 15, 16. She just probably got her like, I don't I don't know. Like I she apparently she drives. So I'm thinking maybe she's 16 and just got her license or something. I don't I don't know what the legal ages are in Tennessee. but. Like, this poor 16-year-old girl. Like, think about when you were 16. Like, what goes on in a 16-year-old's mind, you know? And you hear about this. I think I'd be pretty fucking scared. Probably. And then how he's just, like, Rebecca said that he said all of this without, like, any emotion. He was just like, oh, it's a gun. I'm going to go kill Amanda's parents. It, It was just, it was a lot for her to probably process. Oh, I'm sure. Andrew and Amanda were talking freely about hammering out all of the details of their plot. Andrew even asked his friend Chris where he should shoot to make sure that the intended victim died. Chris told Andrew that he wanted nothing to do with the entire thing. Rebecca even tried to stop them. She went to Amanda's house to warn Terry about his daughter and her plan. But Amanda was the one who met her at the door. Rebecca pleaded with her and told her she couldn't kill her parents. The idea was stupid and it was wrong. Amanda began to cry and told her that she would call the whole thing off. Rebecca left hoping that she could not trust what her best friend had promised her. I would have probably fought her. Like, be like, okay, well, if you're going to call it off, let's go ahead and let him know. Like, you know, this is what was going on and we, we can find you some help because you obviously need it if this is where you went. I just, I don't know. Like, I also, too, thinking 16, I would want to trust my best friend. But at the same time, too, like, all of this just seems so wrong. And Amanda's obviously, as we've seen, very manipulative. She can, she knows how to play everybody. I mean, I wasn't plotting murders at 16. No, neither was I. And she's not even 16 yet. She's still 15. So that's even younger. And, It's just bizarre. But Amanda was a master manipulator. She could cry with the drop of a dime. And she had her heart set on being with Andrew. And she was willing to do anything to achieve that. So on the morning of June 29th, Amanda let Andrew into the house. She informed him that Alyssa was at work and her dad was sleeping in the back room. 
And I guess um, she said that her dad always like stayed up late, so he would probably sleep in until about noon or one. So it wasn't odd for him to be asleep for a long period of time. So on the morning of June 29th, Andrew told her that he wasn't sure if he could go through with it. But Amanda was quick with encouraging words. She told him, if you love me, you're going to do this for me and the baby. Andrew nodded and told her to go to the room and turn the radio up. He didn't want her to hear anything. Andrew took a deep breath and walked down the short hall to the back room. Terry was lying on his side, sleeping peacefully. Andrew raised the 32 caliber pistol and fired one round into the back of Terry's head. Bang! <laughs> but he didn't die right away. Andrew claimed that he was making noises, but not moving. So I don't really know much about guns. How big is a 32 caliber? It is bigger than a 22, but smaller than a 44. Kind of in the middle. Well, besides killing somebody, what would you do with it? Like, is it like a protection gun or is it like a target shooting gun? Yeah, whatever you want to do with it. I mean, it's got that, that, that size of caliber has multiple uses. See, I, I didn't know. So I wasn't sure if it was like some little tiny pea shooter or if it was actually a pretty decent sized gun. It's not like dirty hairy size mm-hmm. but it's not mag. yeah but it's not like super small either like a 22 okay the pair left the house to grab a bite to eat and returned to the house a few hours later like i said before like this seems to be a regular pattern with like young offenders after they murder they either eat have sex or party party yeah. yeah, sorry, that's the word I was thinking of. Like I was like trying I, I, to say I, well, like and that that's why I said it because you stashed over here in my brain for some reason. Yeah, and it's always one of those three things. And like in almost every story that I've read with a young offender, it, so yeah, they just kind of like pieced out, went to go eat and came back. And then Amanda called Alyssa to find out when she would be home and that she loved her. Andrew invited his friend Chris over, and when he saw the body, he became very upset and left without saying a word. Oh, the Chris that didn't even want to be involved with any of this? Yeah, the Chris that said, don't involve me, and then Andrew invites him over and is like, hey, look at this dead body, and the kid got pretty upset, so I think I would too. I'd be like... Yeah, I'd be going to the cops right then. Like, okay, now you involve me, I have to go to the cops because you involved me. Yeah, and I'm not going to go to jail for anybody. Amanda explained to Andrew that they had to kill Alyssa as well because she could be a witness that would lead the police straight to them. Terry was still making noise when they returned, but eventually passed. So that man laid there for hours, like obviously not moving because the bullets lodged in his brain and everything like that. But I mean, it's like he wasn't quite done. He was dying slowly from where... And it, that's amazing that because Andrew shot him like execution style, like straight in the back of the head. But it didn't quite. It's just it's that's sad. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it could have been just like the body trying to keep itself alive, you know? Yeah. Like those last little like, you know, how the brain's last thought is what the body is kind of still trying to do. Until he bled out more i'm not exactly sure i don't know what the back part of the head or what kind of damage yeah was done to the brain 
Yeah, so I guess that's kind of... So he might have been in pain or he might not have been in pain. Yeah, we won't know. When Alyssa pulled into the driveway, Amanda retreated into her room once again. At 5.15, Alyssa entered the house and closed the door behind her. When she looked up, Andrew came out from behind the corner and told her to sit down on the couch. They needed to talk. When Alyssa sat down on the couch, she asked him, Are you going to kill me? Andrew nodded, nodded and answered, I'm sorry. I have to. Alyssa turned to run, and Andrew shot her in the back, piercing her heart and lungs. She collapsed in the kitchen. The couple fled to John Basinci's house, who was the father of one of Andrew's friends. He agreed that they could stay there for a few days because his son vouched for Andrew, and he didn't want to let kids sleep on the street. The next day, the two returned to Amanda's house because they were concerned about the smell, but while they were there, they decided to steal Alyssa's credit cards. They took a motorcycle ride through the mountains, and then they had a $7,800 shopping spree. Amanda said that Andrew bought a whole bunch of stuff for the baby and bought her maternity clothes. Later that night, they went out for food and drinks with friends. People described them as happy, upbeat, and acting like two people in love, almost like they didn't have a care in the world. And that bugs me because... So this was an episode of Snapped that I watched, and when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I, I want to definitely talk about this one, because it was, it was a little scary, honestly. And uh, when she's talking about like their shopping spree and like all the stuff that they bought and went and did, it's like, yeah, he's paying for it, but he's using your dead stepmom's credit card. Like, he's not using his own money. Like, you guys stole credit cards and you're running it up to the max. <laughs> like, that's not sweet. That's, that's thievery. Fraud right there. Thievery. <laughs> Just, I'm sorry. Like, thieves really bug me. <laughs> I don't like thieves. But murder? No, murder's not okay no, either, okay. but I'm just saying, like, thieves really get under my skin. Like, they killed somebody, but damn it, they stole some shit, too. Like, that's messed up. <laughs> well, when you say... I can't it, believe they'd go and steal shit. When you say it like that, <laughs> no, murder's wrong, but stealing like, is wrong, too. fuck them for stealing. <laughs> so, like, fuck them anyways. <laughs> so, on July 1st, Alyssa's sister gave birth to a new baby... And her sister was not there during the celebration. They were expecting her and began to worry when she didn't answer her phone. A few family members drove to her house to check on her. They hadn't heard from her for two days. And that was extremely unusual for Alyssa. I would think, too, especially if your sister's having a baby. Like, you know, those, those days are kind of crucial. They peeked through the window and they were horrified when they saw Alyssa's body face down on the kitchen floor. One of the boys kicked the door in and was met with even more bloodshed when they discovered Terry's dead body. Alyssa's mother hesitated before she opened the door to Amanda's bedroom. She was terrified that she was going to find her dead, but she wasn't there at all. The family's first thought was that somebody killed Terry and Alyssa and kidnapped Amanda. Because, I mean, if you didn't know, I think that's what the scene would look like. Yeah. You wouldn't, like, especially, like, you wouldn't expect a 15-year-old girl to have just been involved with the murder of, of her, her father and her stepmother. A stepmother that she called mom because yeah. she never had a mom. Yeah. Like, uh, 
I just hope these are problems I would never have to deal with. And then, like, also, too, like, Amanda being 15, like, I would automatically think that she's, like, going to be trafficked or something. Yeah. So minutes later, the house was swarming with cops and the crime scene was taped off. When neighbors began to emerge from their houses to catch a glimpse of the chaos, Rebecca Duggan's heart dropped into her stomach. The blue lights told her that Amanda had lied to her and they went through with their plan. Rebecca approached the police and told one that she knew what happened. When they let her pass the tape to get her statement, they were shocked at what the teen had to say. Rebecca told them about the gun, Andrew and Amanda's plan, and he told her that he had friends that would take care of the bodies. Armed with this knowledge and the story of the drama with Andrew in the driveway, they knew that Amanda was not a hostage. Talk about a break. Like, that's probably like <laughs> the best situation for police when somebody just comes up and say hey this is what happened yeah they told me all about it and how like you know they're thinking like obviously what this girl is telling us makes sense to the scene and the situation and then hearing like about terry exploding on andrew in the driveway and everything you're like okay yeah you know this this story fits so regardless of what either amanda or andrew might tell them later you know, they, they know the official story. And I read too, that some people were kind of hating on Rebecca because she didn't go to the police first. But once again, she was like 15, 16. And she's probably scared out of her mind that they're going to kill her if they tell, if she tells. And she's really trying to trust and believe that her, when her best friend told her that she's not going to do it, that she wasn't going to do it. So I can't really blame her too much because she was young. And I mean, what would you have done in this situation? Would you have thought to go to the police right away? Like, probably, probably not. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, as I got older and as an adult, I was like, oh, yeah, like definitely go to the police, you know? I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. So, like, after like, this fact, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I probably should have gone to the police. But, yeah. you know, in the moment, in the situation, especially after you talk to your friend, she says, you know, we can't do it. And she starts crying, so, you know, like, that right there is going to make you believe her. And also, too, it's just, your frontal lobe isn't done developing until you're, like, 21, 22, and that's where you make, that's, like, your decision-making and all sorts of other good things your frontal lobe is good for. And that's why teenagers and kids make... Or people that aren't, that were like stunted mentally with the growth. Like, that's why they make really rash, sudden decisions that they didn't think through that probably wasn't very smart. So that's, that's why you make irresponsible decisions in youth. We've all done it. Like, I, I was pretty, I was pretty wild. (laughs) Meanwhile, at John's house, everyone is preparing for a barbecue. So John's the house that they were staying at with Andrew's friend. John was marinating the steaks to throw on the grill while Amanda and Andrew were helping by prepping sides. When someone called out, anyone home? John responded, come on in. Thinking it was the guest that they were expecting. He was shocked when the kitchen, when his kitchen was packed with officers. The police put Andrew in handcuffs and him in the back of a squad car. When a female officer restrained Amanda and asked for ID, Amanda told her that she didn't have one. She had to admit that she was only 15. When John heard her age, his head hit the roof. He was pissed because Andrew told him that she was 19. 
probably because John John seemed like a pretty good, decent guy. Like he was really cooperative with the police. He didn't, you know, he just sat back, let them do their thing. Yeah, he didn't want kids sleeping on the streets. And so, I mean, even 18 is still pretty young, you know, kid, you're an adult, but, you know, you're still a kid, you know, if. uh... Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that. That's why they probably lied to him because if they if they would have said she was fifteen, he probably would have been like, "Okay, no, like, you well, gotta, yeah, I'm you sure go they ha- I'm sure he saw some uh, inappropriate touching and yeah I'm, stuff. I'm and sure there was a lot of that. I bet that wouldn't have been okay because he seems like a good guy. Yeah, he was. So as the forensic team went through the house, they also had a team to search Andrew's car. You gotta love a dumb criminal. In the glove box, they found the 32 caliber that had killed Alyssa and Terry. When they put Andrew in the interrogation room, he confessed right away. He told of how Terry had threatened him with a gun, and he had the fear of charges of being pressed against him. He explained that Amanda put the plan into action by stealing Terry's gun because she had become pregnant, and they needed to do something. He, ad- he admitted that Amanda gave him the weapon and let him into the house that morning. He was charged for the first-degree murders of 60-year-old Terry McGee and 41-year-old Alyssa McGee. So I just love that he had the gun still. Like, I would think you need to ditch that thing right away. Like, water, dumpster, bury it. I don't know. Do something with it. Don't put it in your glove box. I'm just going to drive around with it in my glove box. Probably made him feel big. You never know when he's going to need it in a shootout. Since Amanda was 15, she was taken to a juvenile facility. When they told her that Andrew had confessed, she broke down. Through tears, she told a story that was identical to his. The main motive for both was to be together. They charged Amanda with two counts of delinquency leading to first-degree murder. And I guess that's what they were kind of explaining, like, you get charged with delinquency so what they were kind of talking about with um when they are first gonna because i think at this point they're planning to charge her as a juvenile because she is 15 so they charged her with delinquency and that's how they kind of do it so they say that you get delinquency leading to whatever it was so obviously like delinquency leading to first degree murder or like delinquency leading to like grand theft it's just you get a shorter sentence delinquency leading to being a fucking punk sorry i just punched my microphone so amanda decided to write andrew a love letter unaware that it was going to be read by the police what she wrote in that letter was damning dumb criminals i love it the first line was i'm sorry that we got caught She also wrote that he could be 99 years old when he gets out, but I will wait for you and I will visit you. The letter showed that she wasn't sorry it happened. She was sorry that they got caught. How is she going to visit him? Well, see, like, that's what they were saying. Like, with her claiming that she was going to visit him, it was obviously an indication that she expected that she was just going to go home. She had no idea the consequences coming to her. No, like, she thought that they were just going to charge her as a juvenile, that she'll get, like, probation or something, she can go home, and she was going to go visit Andrew, or even if she got out when she was 18, you know, she was going to wait for him. But, yeah, she had no idea. Like, she was completely going into this. Yeah, like, clueless. Like, just, what? 
yeah, honey, you don't you don't just get to go home. It makes me think of uh, a YouTube video I saw about three people in trouble for murder, and one girl was like, "So do we get to go home or?" Mm-hmm. Oh my God! When so? When are we gonna go home? And you <laughs> you're don't, not honey. going home, baby. <laughs> yeah, and obviously Andrew's defense team ate up this letter like it was candy. Well, I hope they made copies of it if they ate it. Yeah, but I mean, they jumped on this letter right away because this is, especially since they focused on a line that says. I'm sorry that I made you do this. Now we're getting a little bit deeper in here and thinking maybe Amanda is not this. She's kind of maybe evil a little bit. Making people murder and people and such. It just goes more into how we said she's manipulative. Like she knows how to get what she wants and she will do what she needs to do to get it. During Andrew's trial, he explained how he was always the weak kid and that he got picked on a lot. He said that Amanda was the only girl that had ever shown interest in him. The defense team tried to paint Andrew as a naive, immature boy that was manipulated by a teenage girl. The story that they spun was that Amanda had planned the entire thing, and that Andrew did not want to go through with it. But with Amanda's claim of abuse, and her words of, If you love me, Andrew felt that he didn't have a choice. Amanda was claiming that her life and his child's life were in danger. He was protecting her, and he was finally the hero. Amanda was upset when she heard about what Andrew had said about her while on the stand. She claims that Andrew was older. He was supposed to be the mature one. It should have been the one to tell her no. Yes and no. I mean, she probably, she obviously knew it was wrong too, but Andrew. Well, yeah, and well, it was all because she didn't want to face the consequences of being pregnant by a 21-year-old man. Yeah, and that's another that's thing. All, this all stems from her not wanting to face consequences. Yep, and this also shows, too, like, you know, Andrew knew he was breaking the law by dating this underage girl and having sex with this underage girl, which was not okay. So, obviously, he's not going to be the one to tell you what's a good idea and what's not. Yes, his ideas are not good just in general so far. Yeah. Another devastation came when she had to attend a hearing about whether she was to be tried as an adult. The prosecution felt that the letter had shown that Amanda had no remorse and that she should warrant a more severe punishment. A single judge was responsible for the decision. He called for a five-minute recess to review the evidence in his chambers. When he returned, it was clear that he had been crying. Due to the outcome of his choice, she may only serve four years in a juvenile detention center, or she will receive 25 years to life without parole. The judge addressed that with the calculation of the crime and how they live normally after the murders, they stole the victim's credit cards to fund their weekend adventures, and they even went to church. He had no choice but to try her as an adult, which I agree with because that letter obviously showed that she was just going to live her life. Not once in there did she say that, oh, we shouldn't have done it. I feel so bad for doing it. What were we thinking? You know, it was, I'm sorry we got caught. Yeah. I'm sorry I made you do it. You know, none of it was feeling We, we made the wrong remorse. choice. I'm yep. sorry. Like, yeah, no, it was just, I'm sorry we got caught. And then all of the actions, you know, like going to church, eating, 
going, going on, on rom- shopping sprees and romantic and- motorcycle rides through the mountains and that and like if she would have probably said something she probably would have gotten a little bit more leniency from the judge but because she didn't say anything right away and they just went hog wild yeah like they were like ignorance is bliss because they didn't think that they were going to be caught somehow and i just don't understand like that that's just the thing is they're not thinking and i need to try to remember that as i'm trying to like rationalize an unrational thing in my brain especially with everybody that knew you know and, and like with how he brought in his friend that didn't even want to know yeah and that that friend could have went to the police but he he didn't and later he actually did come to testify and that was a deal that they made because they were going to charge him as an accomplice yeah but he should have said something yeah like, but he was like as soon as you see that body you have to say something if you don't want to be involved well, even if they start to tell you and you don't want to be involved, you're already involved because they tell you what they're going to do. Yeah. Like and I'd so be, you know the plan. You know the premeditation. Yeah. And I'd be like, uh, I've never seen a dead body before. And my friend invited me over to his house and there was one there. So I don't like, I would even tell the police, like, I don't really know what to do. <laughs> it's okay. You can ask them questions. They'll tell you the right thing to do. So... Amanda screamed when she heard the decision and became very depressed when no one offered to post her bond. Obviously. Well, who else? Who, who does she have left to post her bond? Uh, she has no mom. No dad. So she would have to rely on like grandma or her aunt or. Why? So they can get murdered too? Right. Like that's, that's what I'd be thinking if I was a family relative, you know, <laughs> I don't want to be murdered. No, I, I wouldn't bond her out. She had also heard that the jury only took 30 minutes to find Andrew guilty of both counts. She thought of the stress of her own trial, and then reality began to set in. The family of Alyssa and Terry felt relief when they found out that Amanda wouldn't have a trial. It was so hard for them to sit through Andrew's, it was going to be torture to have to relive it with Amanda. The courtroom was divided. Terry's family felt that she needed a break, still punished, but not as harshly as it could be. And Alyssa's family wanted Amanda to receive the maximum penalty. And I think that's got to be hard, too. Like, two families that loved each other are now, like, completely split down the middle because of this 15-year-old and her stupid older boyfriend's dumb actions. Yeah. Well, because one side of the family isn't blood-related. You know, she married, and that family was married into this whole situation. Amanda's not their blood. Yes, and then with uh, Terry's family, right? Terry's mm-hmm. family is blood related. Blood related, so yeah. They and they have... they watched Amanda grow up from like like they remember her being born and growing up, and so when they look at her, they still see this little girl because she is a little girl still. You know, she's a child, but she did a very adult thing, and she was doing she was participating also in very adult acts as well, like fifteen. That is just still so young. Like, I remember being 15 and thinking I was so old, but now that I'm 33 and looking back, like, oh my God, I was so young. <laughs> it's just it's just crazy how when your brain matures and you look back and you're like, oh my God, I sound like my parents. Yeah, it's, it's well, it's the perspective. Yeah. Because you haven't lived very much life. And so your experience, you know, is only 15 years compared to somebody like right now, we're double that. 
Yeah. And so we've lived twice as long as a 15 year old. And so we've been through different experiences. And so now we have a different perspective on time and life. And And let me just say one thing too. I know I digress, but ladies, if you're worried about turning 30, don't, don't worry about it because I was so scared to turn 30. I was going to have a big black birthday party to say goodbye to my youth. She was shitting bricks. I was like, I did not want to be 30. And somebody told me that when you're 30, you kind of figure out who you are and you kind of do. And I, my mom said she experienced this at 40, but at 30, I just suddenly got the idea. Like, you know what? I don't want to deal with anybody's bullshit. Life is short. I ain't got time for that. I'm tired. Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah. So it's just, you get to a point where you don't want to deal with anybody's shit. And let me tell you, it is fabulous because there are certain people that you tell to fuck off and it's great. Like I've cut so many toxic people out of my life and I feel so good. Like seriously, like even if they're family members, it's okay. I've never had to like exile a family member before, but I'm it's it's okay if it's toxic to you it's okay to let them go like that's something that I learned in therapy yeah I know a lot of people that have had like toxic family members and once they kind of let go of that toxicity they're they're just happy you know yeah like it's it's peace with the deal that her lawyers made Amanda pled guilty to two counts of second degree murder she was sentenced to 45 years behind bars she will be eligible for for parole in 2045 and she will be 54 years old she still says that andrew misunderstood her words and that she never meant for him to kill her parents okay i don't i don't dang andrew you really misread her words of you have to do this (laughs) but uh she she cries and talks of regret, and she hopes that Alyssa will forgive her for wherever she's at, and she knows it's not possible, but she would like a sign to let her know. On March 14th, Amanda gave birth to a healthy baby girl that she named Serenity. Her moment with her daughter would be cut short when CPS took the baby and put it in protective custody. She was put into foster care, and the foster family ended up adopting her. With Andrew's appeal being denied, He was serving two life sentences at Morgan County Correctional Complex in Wartburg, Tennessee. He will die in prison. Amanda is serving her sentence at Deborah K. Johnson Rehabilitation Center in Nashville, Tennessee. Amanda plans to appeal her sentence with the new law for juvenile defenders being charged as adults. There have been no updates if she was approved or not, and the family still has mixed feelings about the outcome. Even though Andrew and Amanda are behind bars, it doesn't bring their loved ones back. How long did she get? She got 54 years, um, and she'll be eligible for parole after that. And it said that she, like in the stipulations I was reading, that she has to serve like a certain percentage of that sentence first before. And then the law for that I was talking about for juvenile offenders being charged as an adult is that any juvenile that's been kind of charged with a long, basically life sentence. Well, life sentence is 25 years, isn't it? Yeah. So that's why they say like 25 years to life because you, you'll be eligible for parole, but you'll probably never get it. Whereas Amanda, she just has like a flat 54 years. 
like they could still deny her parole, but they, I don't think they will. I mean, 54 years, like she's going to be, wait, I think I'm getting my numbers mixed up here. She got 45 years. Excuse me. She's going to be 54 years old when she gets out. Okay. So that's kind of late to start over, but not horrible, but they could choose like after 45 years, they could still give her more. Like they could deny her until her next parole meeting, whenever that would be. Um, I doubt that they'll hold her in there. Probably, you know, she, she's a 54 year old lady. She's been in here a long ass time. Like they let out that, that one of the Manson girls I noticed. And there was somebody else that they let out too that I was kind of surprised, but I'm pretty sure they're not a threat to anybody anymore. But, uh, she, I think she needs to stay in there. But what I was saying is that the juvenile law that came out was that if you are charged with a long sentence or even a life sentence as a juvenile, you could apply to have your case looked at to see if they could lower your sentence, like saying, okay, that was kind of harsh, but you know, so maybe we'll give you this, but you also got to worry because sometimes they'll add more years just for the hell of it. Especially, especially since victims and the families of the victims can still come and read an impact statement at these. And that's usually what kind of makes them stick with the same sentence. But, but yeah, that one was a doozy. It was sad, but I thought it was kind of interesting just because of the whole dynamic of it. And the fact that she was 15, like killer kids kind of fascinate me. Cause I just don't, I don't think they understand like how final death really is. <laughs> like it just makes me think of the good son too. Just like scary evil kids. Like it I want to have kids and I don't at the same time. Right. Because <laughs> like, I don't want them to kill me. <laughs> That's what I would be scared of. But going back to Rebecca. Yeah, good, Rebecca. Good old Rebecca that uh you you were asking me like how scared would I be if I knew somebody had a gun and was going to be committing murder? Well, I got a story about that when I was 16. Oh. I mean, there wasn't, okay, it was just like a rent-a-cop, like a campus security officer uh-huh. at the, the local college, local university. Oh, okay. And uh, I had a car, I had my license, and I had friends mm-hmm. at the time, you know, I had some friends. And, uh, I was letting the, there were these girls that I take to school in the morning and I would let, I was letting a couple of them drive my car. It was nighttime, drive my car around the, uh, local football stadium. Dallas was the little Don wand of his old hometown Pocatello. But, uh, I I was letting them drive around and we're wrapping up parked across like four lanes. And we were just about to switch and go home and I was going to drop them off and I was going to go home myself when this vehicle pulls up behind us and it looked like a cop car and one of the underage girls with, I mean, we're all underage, you know, we're all 15, 14, 16 and, uh, none of them had licenses, but me and the, one of the girls without a license was in the front seat and I was in the passenger seat in the front seat. And I didn't want anybody getting in trouble. So I did a little backflip into the back seat. 
as she scooted over the front seat to the passenger seat. And then I did like a leapfrog over the driver's seat into the, uh, into back into the driver's seat. And right when I was, my ass was out like right in the middle of the leapfrog, he turns on his spotlight and sees my ass coming over the, the, the driver's seat. And so he, he and you were had a big to, kid in high school too. Yeah. So I'm just trying to picture you in this old mobile. Trying I don't to know how I, I, it was pretty smooth. I don't know how I completed all this, but he was kind of suspicious of us when he saw my ass in the back window, <laughs> jumping over the front seat. So yeah, he, he, pull, he pulled us all out and did his little thing. Like, oh, well, I can get the cops in here. Because he wasn't the cop. He was a <laughs> rent-a-cop. So he was all like, well, all of our stories matched. You know, there was no mm-hmm. drugs or alcohol. We were, just, we were just letting him drive. And he was very suspicious because he saw my ass in the rear view, rear window there. Yep. But that's that's my story about scared at 16. Yeah. Like... I would almost be like, here, sir, I'll make you a deal. You circle around this parking lot one more time, and when you come back, I'll be gone. Uh, we wanted to go. I tried to go because <laughs> yeah. like, he pulled up behind me with a spotlight and didn't have any lights on, and so I didn't know what to do, so I was going to just drive off, and then he turned on his lights. And, and you're like, oh, shit, I well, can't. Like, okay, I guess he doesn't want me to leave. I just want to leave, sir. Yeah, so that's funny. Yeah, he probably thought you guys were like messing around or doing drugs or something. But anyways, um, so definitely go to our Instagram and give us a like and follow at spooky.talk.podcast. Gotta have the dots, people. Gotta have the dots. We'll put pictures up of people and um, I'm going to go ahead and put up pictures of Amanda and Andrew and Terry and Alyssa and everybody so you can see what they look like and you can kind of judge Andrew for yourself there if you think you would risk it all for him or not. Damn it, Andrew. You got to make better choices or else you end up with two life sentences. Yep. Make better choices. We also have a Venmo if you would like to donate to us to keep the show going if you enjoy it. And that's at Spooky Talk Podcast. We also have a Gmail account at SpookyPodcast.com at or sorry, Spooky Talk Podcast at Gmail.com. Go ahead and you can send us comments, questions, or if you have any case suggestions, we're always looking for the next crazy one to talk about. Do you have anything you want to add, Dallas? No, I don't. Alrighty. Well, until next time, stay spooky. Bye. Bye.